We can find you, John Freer. Thanks again for being with us. John is on the Coromandel Peninsula. He works for CFM, where he's local news reporter. Though he was down on the coast last time we were talking, covering the coast to coast. Um, the long-term plans, they're everywhere. And what stage is yours getting to, John? Yeah, well, good morning, Catherine. And uh, yes, the weather uh, back up here is beautiful after that coast-to-coast experience, I have to say. But yes, the, the, both our councils up here, our district councils, Thames, Coromandel and Hauraki, are preparing the final work on their long-term plans. And I think if uh, people thought that um, the council had been challenged by the weather impacts over the last 12 months, I think there's another storm brewing now around with these. We've already been advised by Thames Coromandel District Council that we're looking at uh, around a 14 to 15% rate increase, and that's on the back of last year's rates increase of 18%. So, Hauraki, uh, they're not saying at this stage, I know that they've got another council meeting today, uh, but they're not actually saying where they're at. They were pretty, they put out a no frills plan last year, which uh, related to about a 7% rating increase. Uh, what is interesting, people are gearing up here, Catherine, in terms of waiting for both the long-term plans to come out. Uh, we've also got the likes of the coromandel Colville business community. They're arranging a public forum next month to discuss issues around the, um, the long-term plan. And a lot of the local uh, ratepayers and representative groups, uh, they've got a meeting this coming Saturday where they're looking to form a collective to respond to the council's long-term plan. So, yeah, I think we've got some interesting times ahead and obviously some huge challenges for the people that are developing these plans. So for each of the councils, what are the, some of the big talking points? Well, I think in terms, obviously, it's storm recovery uh, going on from there. Um, we've got major things also around there's been a, uh, obviously in the lead up to the last council elections, there was a lot of discussion around housing development and flood protection. Now, these are items that are really in front of the council. Roading recovery is major for Thames Coromandel, and I have to say that the local mayor, Len Salt, has been very proactive. They have been working with the Waikato uh, regional transport plan, and he's been out advocating that residents up here must get on board and put in submissions to this plan so that we make sure that we get the necessary funding. Um, big, big item at the moment is uh, Tim's uh, swimming pool is due to be closed in about uh, 2027, and there's been a move afoot to develop a regional aquatic complex. That came to a head last week when the Thames Community Board heard, uh, got a report back on what could be built, and uh, the budget for that, Catherine, ranged from $40 million to $77 million. and today the Hauraki District Council, which has been a partner in this exercise right up to this point, their meeting to discuss uh, the report that came out. There has been some discussions that, um, from a local Thames councillor that Haraki have actually pulled out of the co-funding agreement. But uh, Haraki Mayor Toby Adams told me yesterday that that's not the case and it will be for a discussion today. All right. And also roading. Um, I think we touched on, obviously, a big issue. It remains... Yes, it does, Catherine. And look, there's no short-term fix for this. And, you know, our council's been right up front about this. 
particularly around the council roads. Um, New Zealand Land Transport and Waka Kotahi, they've done a lot of work on the state highways that we all know about, but there are some major works that are going to be required in the council roads, and it's imperative that the council does get the funding from the various outside agencies so that work can be undertaken. All right. Now, the ongoing story of uh, Cathedral Cove. Any updates? When will this end, Catherine? Um, Everybody is aware that Doc made an announcement earlier this year that they are now into stage three of that project. Uh, This has actually involved more consultation. Um, There is some work being done on uh, the stability of the land. They're getting another report on that. The most encouraging thing, though, has been the recent visit by both the Minister for Tourism, Matt Ducey, and also the Conservation Minister, Tama Potaka, Uh, They have both visited and had a look at the site. I understand there had been a meeting with some Mercury Bay locals and government representatives, but in terms of what what is going on there, it's all staying behind closed doors at this point. That doesn't sound like, from Doc anyway, there's been much of um, an indication to give hope to those who want the main access opened. It's been anything but, right? Yeah, and that, that's where the criticism's been levelled clearly from the likes of the Mercury Bay Business Association and other groups, that they just feel that DOC has dropped the ball, and I know they keep referring back to how can we reopen State Highway 25A, but we can't open a track down to, uh, you know, to a beach. Hmm. So until we sort of see some real action from that, who knows, Catherine? Now, Outward Bound, of course, typically a fixture of the Marlborough Sounds uh, and uh, and a Kiwa, but is there a possibility of a North Island centre? Yeah, this is really encouraging news. And, um, you know, I'm well aware, as a lot of people are, the, the magnificent work that Outward Bound does. And recently we had their Strategy and Innovation Director, Simon Graney, visit the Coromandel Peninsula, and he announced that the Trust was looking for a site up on the, at a Coromandel location to extend its Anakiwa operation into the North Island. Um, Coromandel Town has been the venue that they're looking at, and we do understand now uh, that they have found some available land up there, which would enable them to establish the Trust, the trust activities Uh, Simon did tell us that there is still some work to be done on that. But, you know, to get a facility like that, which was formed back in 1962 and had more than 70,000 people undertake the Outward Bound experience, would be wonderful not just for our reason, but for the whole of the North Island. What what might it look like and, and where, John? Well, they're talking Coromandel Town... Catherine, they're going to need access to the ocean or a beach or foreshore. Um, you know, a lot of the outbound activities are based around sea activities, bush and that type of stuff, personal development. So the, the general thinking has been generally in the Coromandel town area, whether that's north or south of Coromandel, they're not saying at this point in time. Um, but, yes, it's just one of those wait and sees, but uh, we hope that they can pull it off. Now, one of the region's greats, Barry Brickell, uh, I think he died in, in 2016, of course, but uh, is his legacy continuing to grow, John? Hey, th- this is a really cool story, Catherine, because, you know, Barry Brickell, he did pass away in 2016 and he left an amazing legacy. He didn't just leave the legacy around the pottery works. 
and that side, but also the amazing Driving Creek Railway. And and this is a railway line that Barry, back in um, 1973, I think it was, he purchased a block of land and uh, built his pottery and put in, I think, was New Zealand's first stoneware kiln. And look, I can recall as a youngster walking into that, and it was like stepping back in time a couple of centuries. It was an amazing building. Barry, to actually get the clay down to uh, the pottery, built the railway. Now, that railway has now become a major tourist attraction. Uh, One of the things is that over the year, people really haven't documented Barry's life all that well. And he is a, a major part of modern history in this part of the country. But with the help of two uh, UK-based IT developers, a guy, Paul Madigan, and the other one is Gary Hunt, the local Driving Creek Railway Trust has got hundreds of thousands of photos that were taken by Barry and also related to his career as a potter uh, up in that part of the world. And now what they've done is that they're actually photo archiving all of those Now, they're using some new technology that these two guys have developed, so all of those photos will be saved. They did have a recent open day where they asked people to come in because one of the things they need to do is actually identify the people in those photos so that they can complete the historic story. So, uh, yeah, really, really encouraging uh, activity there, Catherine. It'll be great to see the outcome of that. Look, uh, he, he was such a remarkable character. I had a very long interview with him some years ago now, John, uh, a very long interview. And listeners, remember, you can always find those by just searching on the search bar on the 9 to Noon webpage. Um, you need to spell the name correctly, however. But just such a wonderful mind, you know, and um, and such a wonderful sort of um, figure in, in, in your local community, right? Yeah, well, his whole family were too. I can remember his mother used to be the Coromandel correspondent for the Timstar newspaper. But you mentioned Barry was the sort of guy that never let things stand in his way. Um, He broke down barriers when it came to getting approval for the railway line, you know, which would have been a massive job, putting a railway line in there and then all the red tape that went around. But what did Barry do? He went and found a cousin who was an engineer who could come down and sign it off. Um, things like how did he actually raise the money to keep both the pottery and the railway going? He used to uh, go and trade beer for favours, and he had a boat that he used to take all his pottery up to Auckland when he needed some money, and he would sell it in the Auckland market. So, yeah, he's a, he's a great part of Coromandel folklore, and it's fantastic that his uh, memory is going to be recorded in this way. John, thanks so much as always. John Freer, our correspondent in Coromandel. He is CFM, local news reporter based there.